It's Friday night, everybody. You know what that means. It's Friday night. Let's have some fun. Let's get together and play a ton. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm John. And we're... Friday Night Games. We are two board game enthusiasts who want to immerse you into our love of the hobby by bringing you board game content every Friday. We create for several platforms, including Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, the internet. Uh, that's it. <laughs> Only fans. <laughs> no. <laughs> We are currently looking for some advertisers, so if you would like your product or company featured in our podcast, send us an email at info at FridayNight.Games. On today's show, we have a very special guest with us tonight. We have Michael from Tube. So big welcome back to Michael. What's going on? Hey, how's it going, guys? I'm, I'm glad to be back. Give us your best Canadian A. A. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we're all going to be talking about epic games and the most epic games we have ever played. So as a note, Michael has been on the show before, which specifically is episode 64, Exploring Euro Games. In it, Michael gave us a game to try, which was Golem Century Edition, which was a hand builder. And we had a ton of fun, right, John? Yeah, it was a really cool game. I really enjoyed playing it. Yes. And we appreciated his suggestion and being amazing and coming on the show so much that we welcomed him back today. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to be here, and I'm, I'm especially glad that you guys enjoyed Century Golem Edition so much. Dude, the game was awesome. Like, it was... It, I, I liked it because it was, it was so simple to play. I know we're not here to talk about Century Golem Edition. I'll probably gush on about it <laughs> for another 20 minutes <laughs> if no one stops me. So, But yeah, thank Stop. you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so where can people find you? What's your channel all about? Just in case they haven't listened to you or listened to episode 64. Yeah, so uh, my channel is located at youtube.com slash athextube, A-T-H-E-X-T-U-B-E. I can also be found on Instagram and Twitter at at athextube. So if you want to see some content there, most of my content is posted to YouTube, though. So I recommend checking it out and, and subscribing. What Which platform are you most active? I know you're most active on YouTube, but are you most active on Twitter or Instagram if someone wants to reach out? I would say Instagram. I'll try to, I try to do at least one once a week posts on there, uh, which doesn't always happen, but you know, I'll post something that I'm looking at or maybe a new game I'm playing or trying out. Awesome. So how often do you produce content? Is there anything special we should be looking out for coming up soon? Yeah. So typically on my YouTube channel, I'll post two to three videos a week. For the past four months, I've been focusing on having a weekly board game top 10 climbers. So I'll explore the fastest climbing games on the board game geek ranks. So, you know, sometimes in here you'll see games that you otherwise wouldn't see that's starting to rocket up the ranks. Sometimes you'll see, you know, Gloomhaven, for example, will show up. And the other videos are either unboxings, playthroughs, or reviews, depending upon what I've worked on in the past couple weeks. Cool. Yeah, there there's definitely a really good video of me and you playing Roar and Write on there. Yeah. People like crazy dinosaur puns. They definitely need to go check that one out. That's for sure. Yeah. That one's going to be coming out this year. I think it'll be available for everyone. Yeah, that's exciting. And we played it already, so we already know all about it. <laughs> so just as a quick note what, what's the top climbers right now well the one you know as i mentioned uh, gloomhaven jaws the lion is rocketing up the list we've been watching that for a while i think it's at number six right now mm -hmm. and i expect it'll be either number one or number two within two or three months maybe the other ones that are kind of skyrocketing are dune imperium and eclipse second dawn of the galaxy no surprise about dune imperium and then Eclipse, I actually monitor the hot list. I think we talked about this last time too, but I noticed Eclipse has been skyrocketing and Dune Imperium has been skyrocketing up that hot list, which which is, I think is it's a different metric than the top 100, but has similar things, right? I think they both have a slope or something that they use to calculate. Yeah, I th well, for the stuff I'm looking at, it's based purely on games that are reviewed. The hotness is based on reviews plus like people viewing the games. Right, nice. Oh, very cool, very cool. Yeah, looking forward to seeing some more of your content and i'm looking forward to seeing what's going to skyrocket up the list do you think jaws of lion's going to hit game of the year for 2020 on the bgg awards probably <laughs> i don't know i mean i think <laughs> I, 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 I think i think it's going to be tough because jaws of lion is very popular but you know you have 
I don't know if Dune Imperium qualifies. I don't know when it was released, but you have Dune Imperium, you have Eclipse Second Dawn, you have Dwellings of Eldervale, which are all games that got extremely good critical response and are getting ex- you know exceedingly high ratings. So it won't be like, you know, when Gloomhaven was released, I think it was clearly the best game of that year in a lot of categories. This year, I think there's a little bit more competition, so it's, it's hard to say which way it's going to fall. Very cool. Point, good point. Yeah, I really enjoyed Dune Imperium, so I feel like that's like my game of the year. We'll see how it goes. I enjoyed Gloomhaven Jaws of the Line, too. So. Yeah, I've only played Dune Imperium of those, but I do have Dwellings of Elder Vale. Is that what it's called? I think that is... I have it on order. I just haven't received it. <laughs> I'm still waiting <laughs> well, for how'd you get an, How'd you get an order for that game? Basically, we have like, I'm on like a pre order on a Canadian website. So they go through their supplier and they have pre orders for it. So I'm on like a pre order of it, which is a pre order that is sold out. So there's a pre order of it sold out (laughs) (laughs) that I'm on and I'm waiting for. (laughs) Some people got it fulfilled, but other people are still waiting. So who knows? I probably won't even get it by the time the BGG Awards hit, which is kind of sad. I'm I'm actually regretting not picking it up. There's a local game store here that buys Kickstarters and stuff. I could have picked up the like the deluxe legendary edition wherever after it came out. And and I looked at it and I said, should I get this game? Because the reviews hadn't come out yet. And I was like, I'm probably not going to be able to play it for a while. But now you can't get it. So now I regret. I'll, I'll have to pick it up next time when they re- reprint it, I guess. And that's and that's the problem with board games in general is that there might be a really popular game. But the limited production run prevents, it, prevents people from picking it up, right? So just mm-hmm. like, oh, man, come on. <laughs> i need this game it's like <laughs> yeah the, the, there definitely is that i mean there was games like dune right that weren't reprinted for like i don't know it must have been like 30 years yep <laughs> yeah dune was reprinted 2019 right the the one you're talking yep. about yeah exactly yeah craziness all right well you know that is kind of we're here to talk about games so we actually started doing it but we're actually here to talk about (laughs) totally epic games so on that note what are some key points that the most epic game has to have for you so i don't know who wants to start well i can start okay go for it all right so for me an epic game needs a good story arc or a good narrative mm-hmm. you're looking at two plus hours of gameplay possibly a legacy element you know that's not a deal breaker for me the theme has to be super immersive lots of decision making but i think the most important thing it's got to have good box art specifically if the dude wait well, who does good, the good, good box art that's all you listen <laughs> that's listen listen <laughs> okay okay listen Specifically, the dude that does the Star Wars posters, Drew Struzan. If he can do, if he can do the box art, I'm sold. Which guy? <laughs> Who? Like, he, his name is Drew Struzan. He does posters for Star Wars. Okay. Has he done all the posters for Star Wars? Like all the new, like the new ones that have been coming out since I think the uh, tr- the trilogy was re released back in the 90s. I'm looking up his art right now. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's I mean, like... He definitely has a distinct style. Yeah, right. I, I think Star Wars when I see his <laughs> art. That's exactly what I think. There you go. Epic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> totally epic. <laughs> I, I like your box art answer. I think that's super unique. So. <laughs> the other ones, I don't know about them. We'll, we'll go. Well, I, I believe so. I believe in them. What about you, Michael? What what makes a totally epic game for you? Yeah, so so I have three key points here. The first one is large scale. So an example of this is War of the Ring. It takes place over the whole Lord of the Rings book series. The second point would be long playtime or campaign legacy elements. So typically, epic games have a longer than average playtime or some sort of campaign or legacy element. Mm. Some examples of this would be longer playtime would be Zia Legends of Drift System or Roads and Boats. For legacy elements, I would say Pandemic Legacy or maybe Gloomhaven as like a campaign style legacy. And the third point would be the game as an event. So while many people have either weekly or monthly game nights, I think an epic game doesn't fit well into just your standard game night. It's more of a, more of a special event. So a good example of this would be Twilight Imperium 4. Like a six-player game takes basically all day, 7 to 12 hours-ish. Wow. Wow, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I I know I know it was a long game. I didn't know it was that long of a game. I we've never played it. Yeah, I mean it, it it's a fairly long game, and you know at least at least in my experience, especially if you have some new players, you're looking at like ten to twelve hours. You know, if you there's people that play this every week and they can finish it in four or five hours. Yeah, I guess if you know what you're doing, right, or you know what you're trying to pursue. Exactly, and you know all the rules. I mean, it's got a 
substantial rule book. Maybe, maybe maybe I should have mentioned that one is just having a big rule book. <laughs> I think that comes with the large scale, right? Large scale is yeah. your rule book. If it's if it's big, it's going to be epic, right? More rules equals yeah. more epic game. I think that's just like one of those unspoken rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a rule to the rule. So mine are I only have two points. Mine are pretty straightforward. Mine is long, so like six people takes ten hours to play. And I actually looked this up on Board Game Geek the forums and someone said they played a six hour game a game of thrones it took them 10 or sorry six players took 10 hours to play which sounds a little crazy oh yeah <laughs> and then someone said mage knight with five people and conquest mode took 14 hours which, which i believe because i've i played mage <laughs> knight solo and i'm like it's like the box is like oh two hours and i'm like this solo game took me like three hours or more like i don't know i don't know what they're putting on this i don't know what they're trying to I think they're trying to undersell it on the box. You know what I mean? Like it's got to be, it's super long. There's so many decisions they're making. I mean, I mean, I think that's a typical problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, Cause we love decisions. That's really what it is, right? We love yeah. decisions and that's going to make the game long. Game of Thrones makes sense. Cause you know, you're trying to take over uh, Westeros. So good, good on them. And then my second point is there's an element of politics with other players. You have kind of a wheel and deal resources or strategies you have to take into account with other players. Like you have to make sure you're either you know sidestepping around them in an area placement or you're trying to get extra resources or you're trying to like be like hey i want to attack you here because later on you might need to, i might need to get something from you and mm -hmm. i think that that actually creates the longness of the game when you have to start like having politics involved mm -hmm. all right so i guess we should we should really narrow down all of our points into a few points so i I think that our points boil down to these four things. One, the an epic game has an immersive story slash legacy element and is very large scale. Two, an epic game is typically a longer game with at least two hours of gameplay. Point three is that an epic game always involves decision-making and politics. And point four, when playing an epic game, it is a very special event. It could be spread out over several weeks due to legacy components and whatnot. So everyone agree? Sounds good. All right. So therefore, we will use that for the rest of this podcast to define all the epic moments that we've experienced. Okay. So now that we've defined totally epic game, Michael, we know that you used to play a lot of Twilight Imperium before the epidemic. <laughs> so... <laughs> And we th and we think this is a totally epic game. Could you give us some sort of five minute rundown of the game? No need to go deep into the game at all. Just give us an overall goal, what a turn might look like, maybe a tiny tiny bit of strategy that could be really large bit of strategy that really gets you going. What game are we talking about? Twilight Imperium Four, Fourth Edition. Fourth Edition, not not second or first edition or third edition. Fourth edition. Fourth edition. Fourth edition. I guess right off the bat, is there a difference between one, two, three, four? Have you played all of them? I've actually never played the first edition, hmm. um, but I have played second, third, and fourth. The biggest change was between second and third edition, where it turned from a dudes on a map game into a negotiation Euro game, Ameritrash mix. <laughs> I love how you threw it, Ameritrash. <laughs> they, had to, they had to theme it. <laughs> As one of my friends say, they basically took every mechanism in board gaming and threw it into a, a single game. <laughs> to make the world's most complicated space conquest game known to man. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'll try. I'll try to give an explanation in five minutes, but it, it may be a little epic. You, you don't mind if we like chime I in every so. now and then? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, perfect. No. Feel feel free. So ba basically, Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition. You'll and this is without the new expansion. You'll play as one of seventeen asymmetrical races vying. For leadership of the galaxy. To accomplish this, you need to secure either 10 or 14 victory points, depending upon the game length you choose. You're going to earn those victory points through completing, mostly through completing secret or public objectives, but they can also be earned through negotiation with other players and area control in the game. Twilight Imperium 4 or TI4 is a unique blend of Ameritrash, as we mentioned, Euro mechanisms, coupled with a large amount of negotiation as almost everything in the game is either for sale or trade or you know, can be used as a tool. Winning this game you know, requires strong strategic 
ability, but also requires a strong use of negotiation and persuasion as you need to convince other people at the table to help you or to stop your competitors from winning. And I think that that is at its heart what draws so many people to this game is that it takes you know your space opera type setting and turns it into a game that has euro mechanisms but also has this negotiation element in it so the so the negotiation is like the main thing that why people really love this game you think like the whole like like what 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 are you negotiating like i'm not going to attack you or you're going to give me resources is that sort of the thing i mean it could be it could it could be every anything so fourth edition actually brought some new cards to the table where each person has a hand of these promissory notes that you can give to other people. And for example, one of the promissory notes is simply you get a victory point. Hmm. So so you can trade away a victory point to a player to get something that you need for yourself. And obviously they need the victory point to win. So you earn the victory point. So you, you technically could be like, I'll give you this victory point so you can get ahead if you give me. Exactly. And, and the victory point isn't worth anything to you. You have to trade it away for it's only worth something to another player in this case. So you're essentially giving another player a victory point, which is, you know, either around, you know, 10% of their way to winning in exchange for something. Obviously it's got to be something. And the other interesting thing is if you trade something to, to one player, they can then trade that to another player. For example, there's another card that you know may let you stop a player from attacking you, which can come in really handy at a key point in the game that you absolutely need to like not have this player attack you. Having that card could could mean the difference between winning and losing. So, you know, you have to trade stuff away or you have to trade things with people, but you also have to be cognizant of are you getting a good enough deal for it? And that's, you know, a very I think it's a more of an art than a science. So it really it really hits the decision making and politics point that we said. So it's that is like a hundred percent there. That is like the game. Yes. Yeah. And and that's the thing on its surface, it doesn't look like it's that sort of game. It looks like a typical dudes on a map game like risk yeah like when i look at it and john tell me if i'm like like john what do you think when you see it when you look when you look at twilight imperium what do you what do you think what comes to mind oh i don't even want to touch it (laughs) (laughs) no but like like what like what do you think you're going to be doing yeah i you know just like space exploration maybe some like area control i just like i just know the game takes a long time to play and i just know i don't i don't have that kind of time to dedicate to you know an epic an epic event that it, w- it would take to play the game so I, t- I try not i don't even really like look at it and and like i, I just don't pay attention to so it, it when all. pictures come up you're like i gotta i just gotta get this out of my out of my feed here yeah because <laughs> yeah just to, to, don't like it i won't see it anymore to me or <laughs> to me like I, i've never played it so you know i i'm probably a horrible person to say this but i think it remind it like it looks like I'm getting into this, you know, the final battle and Return of the Jedi when they're above Endor, <laughs> and you have all the ships. Like that's what it. That's what I think when I see that game. I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a lot of planning. There's gonna be some sort of fighting with area control. There's gonna be some sort of research element. There's gonna be some sort of planet exploration. I'm gonna be a race of some sort of alien. So I'm gonna be doing something with that race, trying to populate the galaxy. Right? Yeah. How far off are we? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Does it have good box art? <laughs> Uh, well, good, good, good may be a personal preference. It's got a space lion. I love it. I love it. So you're saying, you're saying the box art's not the greatest. I mean, I would say I, I like the space lion. Okay. Right. <laughs> So, so, so I also want to talk a little bit about kind of what you're going to do and some basic strategies of the game Go for uh, it. in case people are interested or in case people have an opportunity to play this game. I, I do recommend that, you know, if you're able to playing TI4 is something, you know, every board gamer should try out once in their life. I, I think at least just because it's, it's such a unique, unique game. So a typical turn is where you'll choose to do a single action and there's a variety of actions. Some examples of these actions would be to move ships, to produce ships, or to activate your strategy card. And then each person will take one turn going in turn order until a person passes, and then they'll not take actions until the next game round. Typically for a 10-point game, it'll last five to eight game rounds. And each game round, you know, if you're doing well, you're spending about an hour per round, I think, in a six-player game. Wow. (laughs) So that's, that's like a minimum six hours right there. 
Yeah, and, and, and actually the way we play it is we, there's actually an even kind of a pregame thing where you build the galaxy, and we don't usually do that. We randomly generate it to give kind of a more fair galaxy, but there's a whole strategy into just building the galaxy. I've heard stories about like professional TI players. When they're building the galaxy, they're already like negotiating and giving away like deals for, you know, three turns into the game to get stuff placed the way they, they want it to. So I guess it has its own like meta game or whatever strategy to, to how you build the galaxy. Wow. That's, that's crazy. I couldn't even imagine that. <laughs> There's a game before you even start the game, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. pretty much. <laughs> wow. uh, and then a few, a few general strategy tips in TI4 can vary a lot depending upon your group because, you know, so it's a very interactive game, but these points will help you kind of develop a strategy that works across, I think, a lot of different people. One is to understand your race well. Each of the races are very asymmetric, and each race should be played differently. For example, there's a space turtle race, and as you would expect... Oh, hold, hold on. I'm going to press pause here. Space turtles? Oh, this is... is there, are they all animals? <laughs> are they all, like, <laughs> Earth animals? I mean, I... I I mean, there's the space lions and the space turtles, and there's other oh, like the space wasps. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there's space beekeepers, and there's space. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wait, is this space turtle like the like turtle in the, the novel It, where it like holds the entire universe on its shell, and it it's arch arch nemesis? I wouldn't I wouldn't think it's like that. No, they just okay. build uh, space. They just build space cannons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. Just a normal space turtle race. Nor just normal yeah. space turtles. <laughs> normal stuff. space turtles. <laughs> so, so a, a second strategic point would be negotiate well and often. So, winning a game usually comes down to not only a strong strategic or tactical play, and maybe a little bit of luck, but also strong negotiation. Since everything in TI four is negotiable, you need to offer your help to other people and trade things for favors fairly often, and if you want to do well, you know from you know. Either, you know, if you're building the galaxy, trading away stuff when you're building a galaxy, to even the first turn. I think in the last game I played, I traded away my victory point on my very first turn to get something to kind of give me a little boost in the beginning. Nice. Hmm. Don't make enemies with your neighbors, the people directly adjacent to you early in the game. Like or on the on the board, basically? Like your board? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, everyone will be kind of around the outside of this big game board or hexagon uh, created game board and there'll be two people that are kind of the closest to you i think early in the game making enemies with them will pretty much ruin you for the game at least in my experience i feel like this game would be really fun and really terrible to play with our group <laughs> yeah i i definitely think so like we, we have we have one guy who like takes takes a little bit of time like he likes to kind of try to like understand everything that's going on in the game so he take makes his decisions are like really well thought out. And then we have another guy who just he's like the wild card. So he'll either play like really seriously or he'll just try to screw anyone over. Specifically the thinker guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that'd be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we'd make it through six hours though. That'd be a long time. No, they would kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> just to have a lot of like good food so that people could take breaks. Fair. Fair enough. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> then, and, and my final point is, yeah, it kind of goes back to one of my earlier points is that for the most part, any bad situation in TI4 can be fixed with strong negotiation. Hmm. So you could be in the worst situation. You got like some guy breathing down your throat, right? You take your home world and you don't have any ships, but you know, you can always trade away your victory point or you can trade for help somewhere else to remove that problem potentially when you trade victory points is it only to other players or is there like a sort of mechanism outside the game that you can use your victory points to, to spend in no so 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 the only uh, way you can trade a victory point is with this specific card so you only have one of them that you start with but okay. you know if you trade for someone else's victory point card you can trade that away then to <laughs> someone else you do lose a victory point. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, and and it's thinking through all these like for example, you know, your ceasefire card lets someone prevent you from attacking them essentially. Mm -hmm. And you have to think about not only, you know, who you're trading it to, but who they might trade that card to that you may not want to have that card. Wow. This when is you're, a... you know, when you're giving that away. This is pretty deep. This is like mm -hmm. real world game right now, right? If you have to think yeah, about like, it's... several moves ahead to like like human 
like how they're going to interact with each other's factions right so that's kind of neat and, and how much you trust the other player oh i don't trust any players i ever play with not, <laughs> not even if it's a co-op game and they're on my team so <laughs> thanks <laughs> wow okay yeah this game this game sounds crazy i mean <laughs> it, it just sounds like it's very complicated because they have the human because that negotiation and decision making thing seems very complicated it seems like that is the thing that makes it the most complicated am, am i right or am i yeah right? I, I mean that, that's part of it that, that definitely adds the playtime i think if it wasn't for that the playtime would be cut substantially okay. um there are a lot of rules in the game it has i don't remember it has like we'll just say a 40 page rule book plus a like a 20 page learn to play wow <laughs> wow i thought mage knight was bad okay this is <laughs> this is large this is large the the font size is a little bit bigger than mage knight though oh that's good that's good i, I have bad eyes so <laughs> i need to see the i need to see the words big big form so that's good wow okay so we know it hits decision making we know the box art is totally epic especially if it has space turtles and space lions it's pretty awesome is the story is there an immersive story to it i wouldn't say there's much story going on here although the guy i think it was on R rtfm the youtube channel he did write like a more story elements to go with the game and there is a backstory for each race but I don't think most people read the backstory. Okay. So it's there if you want it, but it's not, it's not the, you know, like, you know, you know how like Gloomhaven, the story is the main focal point where it gets you through. Right. So like, yep. this game, it's just, it's just an epic space opera basically. So you're, you don't really worry. The story yeah. is you playing the game basically. Yeah. I, I think it's more, you're creating the story in this case. Right. Okay. You know, with how your the galaxy unfolds and how like, you know, epic space battles take place, right? It's kind of like you're creating your own story, I would say. Gotcha. That's kind of cool. And, and we did talk about it's a long game. How how long does it you said it was like basically an hour per player minimum? Is that is that am I getting that uh, right? An hour per round. So, Okay. Wait, how many rounds are there? <laughs> 5 to 8 rounds in a okay. typical 6 player game. I would say if you're doing well, you're at an hour round. If you're with inexperienced players, you're probably looking at two hours around wow is that because you're looking up rules a lot to see what you're trying to be able to do and exactly and and people like you know you're you're the amount of moves you have in this game are actually surprisingly limited mm -hmm. uh just in terms of the it has a like a token system that you only get maybe like three to five you know moves on the board every every round you have to be thinking a lot about what you're going to do and how you're going to use those moves to to maximize things Wow. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> and then I guess our last point is, I'm assuming this is a yes. The game plays as a very special event, correct? Typically, yeah. So, I mean, there are the people, like I mentioned, that play it like every week or, you know, a couple times a month. But I would say the majority of people, even like big game reviewers play it like a couple times a year at most. When you play it, is it like a big event? Like, okay, we're going to spend the day doing this. We're going to have dinner, lunch, and just kind of hang out. Is that like a typical gaming session of it for you and your group? Yeah, typically. So I've, I've done it kind of both ways where if we do a four-player game, we'll start, we could start at like 5 p.m. and end at like 2 a.m. But um, for a typical six-player game, we'll do it on like someone's birthday or something and make it like a, a birthday event or a, a full day That's cool. uh, deal. That's nice. Like a bonding moment over spending victory or trying to trade victory points to each other. It's, it's cute. <laughs> or, 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 or screaming across the table, telling them that you'll end them if they do something. Yeah, they can. It can I will end you. I don't care. John, you will die on your birthday. John, John I, just, <laughs> I just want you to give me your victory point, brother. <laughs> Please. I will kill you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Because, I mean, a lot of these games are really close, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. we've even had games that have the winner is simply based on the turn order of scoring victory points. Wow. So, you know, it, it, the games can be very close. So a slight swing in the game can, can make a big difference. Oh, wow. So the games are always like one, about like one or two point differences, basically. Usually. And, and, and sometimes even between the top player and the last player can be you know, very close wow. if you have experienced players well, playing. Well, that's, that's good. That's good. Kind of, it stops like, yeah. uh, that means there's less of a runaway leader problem, right? If the swings aren't that much. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, the runaway leader problem is fixed usually by the negotiation element. Okay. You know, if, if you're clearly way ahead, no one's going to trade with you. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. And the people way behind are going to trade with each other to catch up, right? So it kind of makes sense. Exactly. That's cool. That's cool. I think you said earlier that you haven't played the new expansion, if I'm correct on that. No, I, I haven't played it. I hope to play it in 2021. I actually don't have it yet, but one of my friends does. Nice. And it's a... I think an epic epic expansion to an epic game. Nice. Do you know Do you know what it adds to the base game? Yeah, I, I, it adds a few interesting things. Uh, I can go over a list for you guys and kind of tell you what my favorite, what I think my favorite parts will be. Obviously, I haven't played it yet. Yeah, yeah, let's awesome. do it. So the the first thing is it adds support for an eight player game. Ooh. So up to this point, TI four is limited to six players. If you wanted to spend maybe two days playing it, or like go well into the night. You can play eight players, so it turns a, I would say, an epic game into a crazy epic game. Wait, how many how many more hours do you think that's going to add? If I was to guess, it, you know, with experienced players, it would probably add like four hours, maybe three wow. hours to the game. Wow. But for inexperienced players, I think it's like un, unplayable. I'm not sure <laughs> I would ever. <laughs> it's unlimited. It's like weeks. <laughs> Don't even play. You're going to be old. You're all going to age 30 years or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I would ever sit down for an eight player game. Okay. It would be it would be tough. I do like the new colors they added though for these players. I think it was like purple and pink, which look really good on the on the game board. Sweet. Cool. There's seven new factions added. So this is my favorite part of the expansion, I think. You know, each faction is asymmetric and just having more unique races in your game, more to choose from, you know, when you start the game, I think is going to add a lot to the TI4 experience. How many factions are in the original game? It was 17. So this brings it wow. to 24, I think. Wow, and they're all asymmetrical? Slight differences or like... Well, yeah. So so there's... Uh, each of them are going to start with different technologies. Each of them are going to start with different racial abilities. Each of them are going to start with... Or able to build different... I forget what it's called. It's like your race's like, uh, capital ship. Each of them are going to have a different strategy. I mean, it depends. Like, for I'll give one example. Is The Space Lion's special ability is they can trade with anyone on the board from the first moment. But, because normally you can only trade with people that you're adjacent to. That you have a system or ship that's in adjacent sectors. So they have an ability where they can start trading with people you know, early in the game. Or another one, there's this race that works with wormholes. And they actually have a ship that creates wormholes wormholes like their capital ship creates wormholes on the map and they can just like wormhole people to their capital ship oh that's cool from there so th there's really really cool stuff that these races do that are vastly different than than other other races in the game hmm. another thing they added and this is my second favorite part of the expansion is they've added leaders for both the new factions and the old so these leaders give you kind of new special abilities that you can un you start with one and i think you can unlock the other two throughout the game that Let's you do something, you know, even more unique for your race. Wow. The expansion added a, adds a new unit for all races, which are mechs that you can customize. So you have this new mech unit that you can like, I think you can make it like sometimes fly through space or sometimes be a better ground fighter or a like a better space combat unit. So it's kind of kind of a unique way of, of doing that. And it looks really cool. Is that like in response to like a flaw with the game? Like were, were, were people like complaining that they weren't able like some of their units weren't good at ground fighting and things, or do you think it was just like sort of an element they decided to throw in to make, to change up the whole game? I, I suspect someone said that I really like how mechs look. <laughs> I really like how that turtle mech is going to look. We need to throw it in the game right now. Yeah. <laughs> the lions need a, a mech too. But maybe, maybe my opinion on that is that I think the ground combat could be a little bit difficult for some races. Like some races had like overwhelming superiority in ground combat. Okay. But I think the mechs maybe helped even that out a little bit. Okay. Give it a, a little bit more balance. That's good. It adds a new exploration system. So they were, you know, TI, I think TI3 and TI2 both had this like exploration system that wasn't very good. So they have this new exploration system that I've I've read and is is actually pretty pretty fun and good. Sweet. And then the the last thing they added was these legendary planets and relics. So one of the things with TI4 is the center of the galaxy is Mechatol Rex. And it can become like a really nasty place for big fights. And if you get a if you kind of get entrenched on Mechatol Rex, it's really hard to unentrench you in, in the game. So they've added these legendary planets, which people can go to outside of Mechatol Rex that maybe aren't as good. But they provide some other options in the game, which I think is is unique. Wow, it's wow! It sounds like they made it's like they added a whole nother game <laughs> to this game. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. 
Am I wrong? <laughs> it's it it is. It's kind of like they added a whole other game, and it, it comes with a whole other game price tag too. Oh, so it's, it's not, not cheap. How much is that other game price tag? So so TI four retails at 150 US, yeah. and the expansion is another hundred. <laughs> wow. I, I, I knew that, but it's still shocking when you hear it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like, oh, man. It, it's it, it's it's a lot for a game that you do play very rarely. You know, I would say most people play very rarely. I actually went, before TI4, I went maybe like six years without playing TI3. Wow. Wow. That's that's crazy. But so when you played TI4, you lo- obviously loved it better than TI3. Yeah. No, they, they did fix some of the some of the issues I had with TI3. They fixed some of the balance stuff. And I think that they did speed up gameplay a little bit. You know, you can't tell now, but uh, <laughs> TI3 <laughs> took like another like 20 or 30 percent longer. Gotcha. Gotcha. You can't you can't tell by the way we're talking about it, but they definitely sped yeah. it up. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Wow. Wow. That's some very informative stuff. I mean, I, I kind of want to play it, but I'm scared. I'm scared because I'm going to I'm the rules person. So I'm going to have to learn these rules. And, so, <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like there's gonna be a lot of rules. And it sounds like the first game is gonna be pretty hefty. Yeah, as long as you get the big rules, right, you'll probably even if you make some small mistakes, like we occasionally still make mistakes on some minor rules, but usually it doesn't impact the result of the game in any meaningful way well we get we get big rules wrong so (laughs) (laughs) am i right i think i think this one of the i think i think what we need to do is we need to like rent a cabin somewhere get the game group together for like a week and just play a little by little each night this this sounds like how a murder happens Like a- well, you know, you know, Bill and Novi are gonna murder each other. So I mean, it's the perfect <laughs> setting. And we're the accomplices, dude. We're the ones going to jail. <laughs> you know that, right? <laughs> we rent a cabin. They kill each other. We're going to jail. <laughs> Is there at least? I mean, I mean, if you rent a cabin for a week, you could play this game like five or six times, right? <laughs> there you go. That's- we'll be experts. <laughs> it's like we. <laughs> It's like we come out with a PhD. <laughs> We've learned everything about TI4. Nothing is this complicated. In fact, we have solutions to the pandemic because of TI4. Just so you all know. <laughs> well, thank you <laughs> for explaining that to us. I actually do. I've always I've always wanted to play it and I've always been curious about a lot of the details. So thank you for like clearing it clearing up a lot of the details in my head that I had no idea. John had no clue. He wouldn't even look at the game. No, I, I was just kidding. I, I I'm interested in it. I just know I don't have that amount of time to to dedicate to playing to playing a game like that. But when, maybe one day. Maybe when my kids are older. Yeah. Yeah, I mean if if you ever I always see people at conventions. There's some group of people playing it. I know last year at PAX South there was there was always a like a TI4 tournament that they host mm-hmm, with wow. a couple of TI4 games but i kind of felt bad for one of the groups i came by and i saw them like it was all set up and stuff and no one was by the table then i came back a few hours later and it looked like they were just starting over again and i asked them what happened and apparently they went they took a break for lunch when they came back the game was all packed up for them in a box oh someone must have well maybe someone didn't know that's sad. They they didn't know. They they just thought they were helping out. So oh. I mean, I felt bad for the people that were playing. But yeah. at, at that point, I probably would have just been like, okay, this is not meant to happen. But <laughs> a lot of them re- yeah. restarted the game and <laughs> finished it that day. Well, they probably really <laughs> wanted to play it, so that was probably like their main mm. thing, right? Well, yeah, I guess if you don't, if it's in the board game library and you don't have to pay for the game, yeah, it's not a bad way. Yeah, I mean, you got to pay for the ticket to get in yeah i mean i i I wouldn't i I guess i've never played like ti4 at a convention but i could see it being really fun just because of the you're interacting with a lot of people and there's gonna be people coming by asking you what is this game and talking to you and and seeing this negotiation happen which is kind of a unique experience right except you're gonna be playing that game for like (laughs) the whole time (laughs) 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 which is crazy but i don't know yeah i i I guess like maybe if you're going to convention and you specifically know what you're going to be doing there then it makes sense i mean these people obviously broke broke off for lunch and probably went around the convention center checking stuff out too right yeah wow okay so story time (laughs) uh what is the most epic game or maybe most epic game experience you have ever had who wants to start there i've got three answers (laughs) i think am i in all these answers so am i in all these answers before you go on can can you like am i am i in every experience of the epic game yeah okay (laughs) i think we, we might have the same answers but go ahead 
Probably. Well, I think like the two games that come to mind when I think about epicness of playing, I would say, you know, when we played Pathfinder oh, yeah, yeah. and Clank Legacy. Mm-hmm. But I think like the the funniest story about an epic game is where we went to mustache matt's house to play a nine player game of firefly oh my you know what that's the and this is, uh, this is the exact one i have written down too so we might as well just do this together but go you, you can go ahead yeah. I'll, I'll throw in my yeah so so board game bill in our group he's all, he he bought firefly he has all the expansions and he wanted to play it and usually before the pandemic once a month we would have a pathfinder night so we replaced playing pathfinder to play firefly well, well, hold on. so and, so let me go deep into that before you continue i i was the dungeon master and and i was it was taking it, it was taking it takes a lot of energy to be a dungeon master right you're always planning everything you're always you know you're always trying to be creative and then one month i'm like you know what i just want a break i'm like can we just play a game that maybe i don't have to, i don't have to think as much so i talked to bill and i'm like hey you know do we have a game that maybe we could play with a lot of players he's like hey i got firefly it could play up to nine people and i'm like or 10 people and i'm like so sweet let's do that i don't have to think it'll be great experience for me sorry john go ahead yeah and then we get to matt's house and you know we have to set it up <laughs> so it's a set up on like i think two tables we had everything all set up and then I'm pretty sure Matt still had to read the rules. I read the rules. <laughs> <laughs> and I still had to read the rules. Plus, there was people who said they knew how to play already, which was a yeah. lie. Because <laughs> they clearly didn't remember. Right. And then basically, you know, we're setting up this game. We're trying to teach the game and learn the game at the same time it's being set up. All nine of us or ten of us, whoever was there. And then by the time we got to playing, it was like a half hour per turn because you're making like a ton of decisions and then it was like another half hour to an hour before your next turn oh even longer because everyone's trying to do your turn so other people like during their turns were like leaving and playing like the oculus rift (laughs) or like shooting like a bow and arrow and like no one was really like paying attention to the game so we're at i think everyone did like one turn and then we just gave up A pizza came in the middle of it too and then like people are like forgetting yeah. how to play the game we're like oh this is a bad idea this was a terrible idea i should have just stuck with pathfinder after like looking back yeah. so i i wrote that firefly could have been an epic game night but that ship has sailed <laughs> <laughs> wow that's funny because that was actually mine too how how yeah. D turned into that and i think that experiment gone wrong we never did that again <laughs> after that you are correct we just stopped going it, we period. we started we stopped going shortly <laughs> thereafter we started getting busy with the podcasting and stuff i i do miss D a little bit you know dan replaced me as dungeon master and he did a fantastic job i agree, I agree. it was just it just became a lot and they actually play more they play every other week now so you gotta nice. you gotta give it to them to try and speed it along so that's good what about you michael any epic stories or games you've ever played well yeah i mean it's, it's really hard to pick a one but if i had to pick one it would be my most recent Twilight Imperium 4 game. Oh. So this was a, a full six-player game, and we started around noon and finished around 8 p.m., which was pretty good. If I remember right, it ended in the seventh round, so we are doing like around an hour plus like dinner. And I think what made it great was that most of the players had played a few times before. I think we only had one new player this time, whereas most of the time when I'm playing TI4, we have you know maybe two new players or, or more than that. And so there was a lot more negotiation and... People like understood that, you know, you got to make deals with people to 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 win. And also the gameplay moved along pretty quickly. Finally, I think the, the other thing that made it really good was that the end of the game, almost everyone was within one round of winning. Like, I think maybe there was only one person that couldn't win on the next round. And the, I think the game was like maybe it was within one point of the two people that the first and second place so it was ex- exceedingly close so it was a nail biter nail biter of a game yeah wow yeah i actually thought the winner was further ahead than he was but someone else had some sneaky stuff he was able to pull up, pull up a few points at the end and, and close the gap wow do, do you ever have any like nice. heated debates at some of your epic game nights i know i know you play other more you, you play other epic games other than Twilight Imperium, I know that. Yeah, I mean, I think TI4 is the main negotiating epic game I play. Okay. So that's where you'll get the heated debates where you'll get the person, you know, that's trying to be nice about something, and then he realizes that nice isn't going to work, so then he tells you, you know, if you do this, I'm going to destroy your home world, I'm coming for you. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think it's fun because, you know, everyone knows everyone. It's friendly, but it's also it can be intense, too, at times. I would say outside of this, maybe my other like really fun memory of an epic game was my first play of Roads and Boats. Okay, so that happened at a convention in Vermont, actually, a board game convention in Vermont. And I never played Roads and Boats. I never even heard about this game. And someone had a copy of it. So we set it up at like eight in the morning. And I don't think we finished it that day. <laughs> did did you know what you were getting into like ahead of time? I, I didn't know. I don't think I had a appreciation for how long the game actually was. Okay. <laughs> okay. But just the, I think the memory of transporting stuff on my donkeys and, you know, building my geese research factory and stuff was enough to make me want to, you know, play the game in the future. And I think the last time I played was actually on Tabletop Simulator, which works out really which works out exceedingly well for Roads and Boats, by the way, if people are interested Sweet. in trying it out. Sweet. Now that you mentioned like your earliest moment in playing the most epic game, I think mine was actually when I was... So I'm about 37 years old now, and when we were 17, so 20 years ago, we actually went camping, and we brought Risk with us camping. And I remember that that game actually went on for six hours for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but it was But it was great because like we were camping and had nothing else to do right so we would just cook dinner and, and i think maybe there might have been a break in there like maybe it was really like a four hour game or a three hour game but because we breaked at one point to eat dinner and stuff but yeah that was like my first taste of like a super epic game which risk is like you know it's a pretty easy game to learn <laughs> buy yeah. units roll dice move you know conquer territory I'm, I'm impressed you finished it in four hours yeah so am i <laughs> i lost <laughs> i actually i think i actually got kicked out after two i think they ganged up on me <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm done. I guess I'm, I think I cooked dinner. I think I ended up cooking dinner that night too. I was surprised <laughs> they kept going. So, but yeah, that's my earliest moment or earliest memory of playing a, an epic game, I guess. Although Risk doesn't hit any of our epic game points. <laughs> <laughs> other than long and maybe politics right but well you, you could play risk legacy right we actually did play risk legacy which i enjoyed a lot more because it was a quicker game and the game board and and the game could actually be accelerated by different game components you you get later on right so i i did really like that game too but that but that came out later right so that came out in yep. 20 2010 sometime maybe 2011 28 maybe 20 oh maybe it's 2006 could be earlier i don't know someone needs to fact check me yeah I, I haven't actually played risk legacy yet it's on my list but i do have a kind of a funny story with that one i ended up on craigslist someone was selling a copy of risk, risk legacy and so i was like well how can you sell a copy of a legacy game and the guy said well it doesn't look like it's been played hmm. so i went over there and bought the copy of them i don't remember it was like five dollars or something sweet and i opened it up and it looks like a group of people started playing this game they got maybe like halfway through the first game of it and decide we're never playing this again and just <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're like they're like buy risk legacy they're like oh this is gonna be like the like why do we buy this game wait i have yeah. to play this 12 more times god <laughs> god get rid of it that's awesome that you picked up for five dollars though that's pretty cool yeah so I, I i still intend to play it and it's got like all their signatures and stuff on the board so i think it's kind of a unique uh unique thing i thought it was <laughs> you should like track them down and they're like like why didn't you play <laughs> this game <laughs> Like a creepy, uh... <laughs> nah, don't do that. That'd be weird. <laughs> wow. Okay. That was some good stories. That was some good stories, man. Okay. So everyone remember those four points. Can we, can we somehow make them funny? <laughs> what do y'all think? Can we go beyond Epic? What would make an even more Epic game than those points that we made? Well, we could just, you know, throw out Epic and, and play a campaign from North Africa. <laughs> Oh, is that is that that game that's like supposed to be like the longest game you ever play or something like that? Yeah, it's it's like twelve thousand hours. It has like <laughs> some ridiculous rules for like water for boiling pasta for your Italian troops, and <laughs> I I think it's it's such a like a famous game. There was even an episode I think of Big Bang Theory that featured it. Wow, wow! Is is the instruction manual like just a textbook? Is that what it is? Like I, I actually haven't even tried reading it. It's 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 so epic. It's beyond beyond my uh, uh, ability to to play. I think. <laughs> 
Wow. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, I, I was thinking like, instead of like negotiation, you, you now have like a whole political system. Like you have to get more players involved and then you're like, you have to go through them to get trades and deals. Like, you know how you're talking about trading victory points? You're like, okay, council, does everyone approve of my victory point being like traded <laughs> to the next person? And there's like a voting system. I think that would be pretty sweet, right? Well, now you mentioned that TI4 has a voting system. Stop it. <laughs> so what? <laughs> Stop it. So, so You're so blowing after... my mind right now. This is just like, hold on, I wrote this point down to be funny. <laughs> and it's actually real? Oh, man. It, 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 it is. It, it basically, I think it just comes down to, if there's a mechanism, it's in TI4. <laughs> so TI4, after you capture Mechatol Rex, it opens up for, essentially, lawmaking. And the way this works is, stop, you drop two laws. Michael, stop it. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> lawmaking? Like, you got to make yep. laws in the galaxy? Oh, my lord. Okay. Exactly. And and you, you draw two laws, and then everyone votes on them, and you negotiate with people to vote on these laws. And there's even races that bet on the outcome of the laws. <laughs> what? It's, it's crazy. Oh my, wow, this, this game is, is banana. No wonder why people love it so much, because there's just so much you could do, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a space opera sandbox, like, <laughs> combat. It just, I can't think of any game that is like this. It's like, you know, it has a little bit of Puerto Rico, yeah. has a little bit of Risk, a little bit of Axis and Allies, and it has, you know, a lot of diplomacy. It seems like it's only really missing, like, a, like a good story element, right? Or, like, some sort of, like, campaign legacy type thing. That's what it seems like it's missing. If it, if it yeah. had that, it would literally would have everything in my mind. Well, s send an email to Fantasy Flight. The next, you know, $100 expansion might be a campaign. <laughs> I'm going to be like, can I help design <laughs> the story? I don't know if they'll let me do that, though. <laughs> I've never played... Can I help design the next story for your hundred dollar expansion? It'll be like it'll just be like our Friday solve, night games. <laughs> yeah, would that be sweet? We'll 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 say Michael's with us, so maybe like you know that will give us some sort of edge on the comedy that I'm gonna write in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, well, you could you could make you know funny space turtles and like do <laughs> space turtle things. Yeah, there's going to be, like, I'm going to introduce, like, you know, all the Ninja Turtle characters just to fight the Space Turtles. Just to see, <laughs> just to see Fantasy Flight reject my idea. <laughs> right? Like, no, this is a terrible idea. Who would let this guy design the game? I'll, I'll point at John. I'll just point at John. Yeah, so, so, so I do have one other kind of fun fact with uh, how Twilight Imperium came to be. Apparently, it was it was created the same year as Settlers of Catan came out, the fir very first edition of, of wow. TI4. And it was created by Christian T. Peterson, who was running a comic book company in Minnesota. And his comic books weren't selling very well. So apparently, he grew up, his father was a board game distributor, I think, in Europe somewhere. And he said, you know, I can create a board game and I can go sell it. So he created this game, this TI, Twilight Imperium, with these hexagons. And he thought it was going to be the, the biggest thing because it uses these hexagons. And then he brought it to, I think, Origins to sell it, like outside of the game hall or something. And then he saw they were playing Settlers of Catan, which also had hexagons there. And he was like, <laughs> no, they didn't the same idea. Oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> but but needless to say it sold really well then and it kind of launched fantasy flight games wow oh so that's the original game that that started fantasy flight games then yeah that's how it that's how it was created and then i think he just recently left fantasy flight but he even did was a major force in the twilight imperium 4 design wow that's awesome that's awesome i mean his legacy like he made basically the most epic game ever that helped him start a company that's a pretty amazing flight for him right yeah michael thank you for coming on our show and basically educating us all about twilight imperium 4 it was a great experience and we're looking forward to having you on again maybe in the near future yeah i'm hoping so I really enjoyed this, and I, I love you know talking about board games. Awesome. So just before we head out, can you remind everyone where they could find you? Yeah, so if you want to find my channel, it's on YouTube, YouTube slash EthexTube, A-T-H-E-X-T-U-B-E. -E. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at, at EthexTube. 
Awesome. Thanks again, Michael. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, guys. This is real fun. If you like what you hear, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on your favorite streaming platform. You can check us out on our socials, Instagram at Friday Night Games underscore official, Twitter at Friday Night GMS, and Twitch at Friday Night GMS. If there's a game that you would like for us to preview on our podcast, shoot us an email at info at FridayNight.Games. And don't forget, it's Friday night. Let's have some fun.